0: Collegiate Global Solutions presents the Subject to Talent podcast, a hub for global workforce leaders to unleash the power of human enterprise. Thank you for listening in as we explore the most innovative and transformational topics impacting business today. Hi, I'm Bruce Morton, the host of the Subject to Talent podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jason Ezradi. Jason is the co-founder and CEO of Brightfield a world-leading workforce data platform. I'm also joined by Tim Johnson. Tim's a Senior Manager of Data Strategy here at Allegis Global Solutions, and he's a data and business intelligence leader with a focus on strategic data partnerships, enterprise analytics, and data management. So I'm very excited to welcome you both to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Bruce. So those uh, regular listeners will know we always kick off each podcast by asking our guests, how did you get into this wonderful industry of ours? How did you start in the workforce industry, and what led you to data generation and analytics? So, Jason, let's kick off with you.
1: Um, my my entry to the staffing industry was very much by accident. I uh, found myself in need of a job post 9-11, and a number of my colleagues uh, from a technology strategy firm had gone to this uh, VMS company, which I had never heard of, the category Um, and so I, I, I joined my, my former colleagues, I figured these are great people to work with and who cares what the rest of it is. Uh, but it was about, uh, three months in that I realized that this was how the world of work was changing and that this is not just my next job, but, but the job and an opportunity to really change things. Um, there's no doubt that the percentage of the contingent workforce was increasing like crazy. People were having trouble finding talent after Y2K. Um, And I just realized that this was going to change the entirety of the world of
0: work. Awesome. Thank you. Tim.
2: Yeah. Thanks. Uh, Back in the day when I started with Aerotech, I started out in back office operations. It seemed like every job that I took, I gravitated towards data. Uh, And so I spent uh, five years with Aerotech. Then I went over to our Allegis Group IT department to help with an ERP upgrade and led and managed lots of different work streams in that course of that five years. And found myself wanting to get back into the business. So I transitioned back over to AGS. And for the past 18 years, been developing you know analytics and business intelligence solutions to help our customers, our suppliers and the leaders within our organization use data to drive decision-making. So it was really a passion of mine all the way from day one. The, de- the business intelligence platform we built is now a critical component of Acumen Intelli- Intelligent Workforce Platform. And over the past two years, uh, like you mentioned in my intro, I've been spending my time on data partnerships in order to gather the best partners in the, in the world around global data and analytics capabilities and, and really ultimately to shape, the, shape our industry and how they look at data.
0: Great, thank you. So Jason, the last time you joined us, which has been a hot minute, uh, you spoke of the economics of workforce intelligence and mentioned, which at the time was a relatively new partnership between AGS and Brightfield. Can you tell us a bit more about the partnership and how it's developing?
1: Yeah, I like to think of it as a, a best in breed relationship, uh, where there's uh, only so much that we, as the stewards of of, of data and generating AI, that that infer a market relevance, what's happening uh, in the market writ large, uh, and then to have that connect with the necessary actions to make optimization come true. Um, right. And so uh, that that's really how we see the uh, the chocolate uh, and peanut butter coming together in, in this relationship, um, and. It, it, it matters not only for us internally for how we achieve efficiencies, but what's most exciting is how it shows up for the customer. Um, problems that were previously intractable, things that could not be accomplished, only talked about like gaming efficiencies and SOWs are now our favorite case studies. So it's been uh, a very uh, exciting, um, exciting relationship, but but one that, that that's bearing the fruits of its labor.
0: Great. Sam, anything to add to that?
2: Yeah, I mean, as far as the partnership, and it's been a six-year journey between uh, Jason and myself, trying to unlock the value of the of the data and the documents that are, you know, hidden sometimes in file cabinets. Sometimes they're they're embedded and stored within, you know, various systems. And you know, working over the past years to figure out the the key to unlocking all that and getting those nuggets of gold out of them has been a, a really a fantastic journey. It's been challenging at times, but we're really starting to see how these prediction machines and, and machine learning models can help us move fast and uncover things that we would uh, we had envisioned. I'm not going to lie. We envisioned seeing those in there and getting to this point, but it's now you know way more efficient than we, uh, when we ha- have been in the past several years, so really exciting times.
0: Great. And anybody that uh, is in, in our industry or associated with it will have heard the term skill-based economy that we're now in or we're now entering. But as, so in an ideal world, you know, we're looking at the future of work and how work gets done through that skills-based lens. So how does data collection play a part in that moving the industry forward? Because a lot of talk about it, but how do we actually operationalize that? I'd love to hear from you both on that point.
2: Timothy? I'll let you go first, James.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, would. I guess the starting point, if, if we just launching off of the SOW point, if you know that your deals are being priced um, and salespeople, are their, their, their job is to price as high as they possibly can, they're charging for the most expensive skills. Um, so you should know what that premium cost is for the most expensive skills. And you should know when are those most expensive skills in play versus not. The problem of it from a data perspective is it's on a long list of things of it depends. Uh, It depends on what database languages there are. It depends on how much experience they need in this industry. It depends on uh, which of these programming languages they have and do they have them together along with a certain degree or certification or something else like that or top secret clearance for certain customers. Um, And understanding what is the contribution of all of those pieces is a natural AI data science question. It's where all of these many parts have some influence at least sometimes to some degree and, and, and how to make sense of that. So the recursive nature of machine learning that constantly checks, do we understand the pattern to see how each of these individual skills take play, um, is exactly what we've been nurturing and maturing over the last several years. So we can differentiate, uh, not just the cost impact, but the time expectation impact, uh, on a, on, on a per every geography basis. Um, if you're not at the skills level, you're, you're missing the the mark by at least 20%, uh, because you're in the middle of something, but you're not sure what you're in the middle of.
0: Right. Yeah, Tim.
2: Yeah, I could agree more. You know, the visibility and access that we need to have data in order to have these the, a confident p- opinion and perspective on things is is key and critical. And then and between EGS and Breakout coming together, it really is the, that that answer is of more data being pulled together. We're feeding into the machines is giving us more confident results. And in the case in this case, more is more as long as you really trust the data that's going into the machines. And so confidence between our two organizations that we're getting that right and we're feeding it into the machines is giving us greater confidence. Um, it's also doing another thing for us. It's really helping us improve our processes and shining a light on, where, on the areas of the inputs and the outputs where we need focus attention. Uh, the machine learning models that we have in place is giving us a chance to interrogate transactions on a daily basis. Um, and so that's giving our operators the chance to say, hey, I think there's an opportunity here, we can improve a process, or hey, I need to take action here because there's an opportunity. And ultimately that ends up being an advisory position for us. And so that's, that's really a goal of ours at EGS to be that strategic advisor for our clients. And again, the combination of the, having more data, having machine learning models that make us more efficient, and then having people that know how to use them, you know that's the special sauce.
0: Right. So I guess it's that combination to say more, in this case, more is better, but mm-hmm. only if you can actually analyze it in the right way and, and truly understand what is it telling me to do and how can I act on that. Would that be fair?
2: It puts it into perspective. So, yeah. I and mean, if we're talking about skills, are we extracting the skills from our requisitions? Are we extracting uh, skills from the candidates they're being or submitted and are we matching and merging them properly? Uh, so if we're all capturing that, we're all looking at it, we all speak the same language. It's absolutely critical, foundational element of this all.
0: Right. So I guess that's about paying the right amount of money for the right skill, but perhaps not paying for skills you don't need, just at to that too high a level, as you said, Jason, if you're looking at the job title, do you really need all those elements. So drilling down deeper.
1: And, and you could also have a long list of skills that don't necessarily imply a greater cost. So um, it, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it's really making sure that you're paying the right amount for the right things. And that, the flip side of that is true as well from the supplier's perspective, you know, how to defend your price based on the empirical information, the true data like Tim is talking about. Um, so in, in, in a world where good information is available, people should leverage it and, and conduct their business off of it. It's really that simple.
0: Yeah. So to, make this, uh, to bring this to life, can you share any examples? Obviously, you don't mention any company names, but can you share any examples of how this partnership is starting to impact client our clients businesses.
2: Yeah, yeah I'm I can I can. Go ahead. Yeah, you want know, I'll go I'll go first. Yeah. Um so over the past year uh we we've been sharing uh you know anonymized data between our, our mutual clients um and and putting that to action on on training machine learning models. And when we shared uh that data over the past year we had a lift in our Canadian based business. We have so several several clients in in Canada. And through the sharing um, and working with Jason's machine learning uh, team and their data teams, we had a 17% increase in the amount of titles that we can cover in that region. So that really showed up strongly for us. And you say 17%, that seems seems relevant, but is that massive when you're talking about a mature market? It is really relevant, you know. So in a very mature MSP market staffing market, we were able to increase coverage by 17% between the uh, you know the the data that we are able to bring to the table about that. So Outstanding for us as far as coverage, it improved our confidence in many areas. And so, what does that mean? Is that it's for our clients, we're able to represent more confidently the rates that they should be paying versus what they are paying today, and it informs our rate cards. And so, overall, it gives us a, a chance to be a you know, confidently advisory position with our clients.
1: It also gave us an opportunity to to better understand the AGS way and how to reflect that in the data, Um, and so that AGS programs are able to be set up in in ways that are natural to the true expertise of of the AGS market analytics team, as well as the program ops teams themselves. Um, So it's not just a generic representation. AGS has an opportunity to really tune that to to the AGS way, which is
0: uh, exciting for the customer and for us. Right. And I guess back in the day <laughs> um, when organizations, I remember a time when they were, you could update a weight card annually. Um, I'm guessing it's more common than that now when I notice, but is that I'm just trying to get to is this something that we're creating through this partnership that we're excited about or is this being customer demand, solving the customer problems led? What's been the driver to you know, elevate this the partnership in the way we are?
2: I think ultimately... Yes, you're right. Traditionally there had been annual rate reviews. Now we're going to get to a world where it doesn't require uh, the, the rigor or the scheduling of an annual rate review to give our clients advisory around the positions that they're staffing. So as I said before, like, there's a chance to inject that into uh, the, the processing of our daily requirements and then identifying which ones have the greatest opportunity for being filled, whether it's a fillability model that we have with Brightfield, whether it's the, the rate benchmarking capabilities, we're giving our clients a sense for, hey, this is an area of concern. Markets may have shifted. Uh, we may be able to source this in a different location. There may be a better place to fill this position. So all these things come into play in arming, equipping our people that are doing staffing, spec- the staffing specialists, or even our market analysts that are setting the rates for our rate cards, giving them early warnings uh, or early indicators as to where they may need to pay attention. And we're not waiting for a rate review to have an impact on a client.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. I like that. Anything to add to that, Jason?
1: Yeah. I think when 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 building uh, a, a rate card practice off of uh, granular global scale r- uh, rate benchmarks, the ability to, like, more data is always going to be better. Uh, and so in the case that, that Tim is mentioning, uh, in some cases, it, you know, because we have a variety of rigorous criteria that you have to pass on a threshold basis. So bringing uh, a lot of that data in was uh, uh, enabled us to get above some of those additional thresholds. And what that means is not only really geographic precision or breadth but also adding greater precision to all the other ways that we look at the information. Are rates on the rise? Are more suppliers coming into these marketplaces? Uh, are, are, are things protracting and taking longer? Are companies having trouble um, being compliant with their rate cards? You know, It's not just what is the central tendency of the rate and how does this company compare on an average to average basis? It's all of these things that come together to equate to a, a picture of healthy spending not just price, but the, the whole picture. Because if it's only about price, we all know um, customers are unhappy and spend goes away.
0: Right. Great point. Great point. And as organizations are moving towards what we they just call this universal workforce model, in other words, taking a holistic view of the work that needs to get done and looking at all the different ways and types of talent to do that, automation and thought, you know, the freelancers, gigs, employees, service providers, et cetera, I know a couple of the challenges that that is creating in a good way, the problems we're solving are the, you know, we're getting asked regularly by our clients, how do we expand globally and how do we get that holistic view so we can give our business the options of the different ways of getting work done. So a big piece of that, of course, is how do we bring that services spend under the umbrella of an MSP program as an example and get greater visibility and flexibility, can you just expand on some of the things we're doing in that space to help our clients have those challenges? I'll go to you, first Jason.
1: Yes, um, happy to. The I think we, we given that the idea of, of how to how to understand how to wrap our arms around the complexity of of, to, of total talent was the old, the old form. Uh, universal talent. So all all the many different forms uh, that that can come together. It's such an enormous topic. uh, It tends to either die or be forestalled under its own weight. And so if this is now the 15-year conversation, what has made it go so slow? In, In my belief, in my understanding of it, having studied it so closely, it's just the overall rate of it that creates this inertia. And so what we found to be most successful is to size it much more appropriately, shrink shrink down the the opportunity so it doesn't have to be the enterprise and everything. The world saying think globally, act locally applies here perfectly. So we're working with an organization that has 10,000 SOWs that they want to have evaluated, uh, but going after all 10,000 at once is not going to be very helpful, saying bring you the next 200 Um, And let's show you what those opportunities are and making those opportunities real in real time working with the AGS counterpart to show how the action comes across. It's not just deal criticisms of your SOW. It's things that can be changed and result in in realized savings or other efficiencies in real time. That's, That's the action. You have to start the flywheel so that inertia is in your favor, not something that feels impossible to overcome.
2: Yeah, it's uh, for AGS, over the last 10, 15 years, it started out with collecting data around the resources that are that are being do, you know, extended, the extended workforce that's coming through services engagements and really having some visibility into the headcount. So we call it headcount tracking, resource management. We really wanted visibility into that. We, we quickly gathered information about those people, who, what suppliers had them, maybe what role they were playing. And so as we got that information and visibility, it became apparent to us, like, where are the key pockets? So as Jason was saying, where should we be focused on our territory Rather than trying to do, tackle them all, we, you know, where are the greatest uh, areas of opportunity? The next question that we started getting was, well, what is their job title and how does that compare to our staff log business? What rate are we paying for them? And so we expanded from just counting heads to gathering more intelligence about these workers that are that are on site and working through services engagements. That was the expansion of that. The 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 visibility it gave us was fantastic. What we could do to action is where we're really sitting right now. So how do we gain way more intelligence about that? So we run people through SOW admins. So they're running through, we're capturing project level details. We're capturing more resource level details. We're tying them together and we're understanding rates. We're understanding milestones. And we're starting to just gather more and more information. And that's the phase we're in now. The, th- the next generation of that, which we've been working on the last five years, six years with Jason and team is, all right, this all this data that's in these documents. How do we merge that together with all the transactional elements? And now we're completing the picture and it's giving that, that, giving us that insights. The, ne- the keys to this is how do we leverage the services business that we are understanding now through transactions and how does that compare to our, con- our contingent workers, our staff? All? Can we start calling them similar things or same things? These are all talent roles. They all have skills underlying, jobs and occupations underlying that. And can we come up with the ability to connect all these things through a taxonomy, whether it's an occupation, job titles, taxonomy, and the skills taxonomy. That is the underpinning of all of this so that we have the visibility we need in order to do comparisons, to draw analytic insights, and to actually have actionable things we can do with our... If we all need increased compliance, so those are all the things that kind of working in concert together. Um, and, the, and that's the journey we're on. So it's, it's exciting. It's all coming together. I think there's a super relevant conversation for that and then where we're heading. So
0: Yeah, and I think it, it does mean for the first time, I guess, really, we you know we can compare apps with pairs. It's always been the challenge, right? The black box of services is no longer a black box. It's a glass box, I like to say. But talking of buzzwords, um, what do you say to those prospects uh, that say to you, well, can't I just ask ChatGPT what I should be paying for an app developer in Palo Alto this morning? What's, what's the response to that?
1: Yeah, uh, y- yes. But b- before I, I, I criticize ChatGPT's ability to execute uh, our business, um, I think part of like the Apple versus pair problem is that in reality, when you look at the organic nature of it, not just what we want to label this thing as an Apple, it turns out there's such a thing as an a pair and, uh, and, 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 or Apple, uh, you know, and that that's actually how things exist in nature. Um, and you know, it's, it's just because, so, so we've now developed the ability to understand that, that inherent diversity of talent. Uh, there is no such thing as a software developer. There's many, many such things as software developer. And we stick them in a the box because that makes our lives easier. Not because that's an actual representation of nature. And so what we have built is the ability to better interrogate the actual dimensionality, all those many attributes that make up the reality of nature. One entity, one organism at a time, one job at a time, as well as looking at the, the entirety of the ecosystem. And so ChatGPT, uh, number one, I love, and uh, all of the large language uh, learning uh, models that have come with it, uh, with the generative AI rave of this, of this year. Uh, has made my life a lot easier from a roadmap perspective. We can do a lot more, a lot more quickly. However, uh, it's important to understand their limitations. Number one, they are not trained with our transactional data that we all get to see. So no matter what, they're not going to be able to see what's actually happening in the transactions. They're only gleaning from what's read upon uh, across the web um, in that respect. And then the other thing, if you actually ask the question, um, you'll see coming back are all of the great conditionals. So it's, it's smart about what are all the conditional things that you need to be worried about to in order to precisely answer the question of what is a rate for a blankety-blank and blankety-blank or um, uh, of the attribute type questions that it takes that w- it would not then be able to render an answer. And so I think large language models uh, are, are good at expediting some of the steps uh, that we do in data management but not replacing And especially anything that's in front of the human being, where it's trying to create that human interface, it's something that's more conversational. That's fabulous. But uh, if you're looking for discrete business answers uh, uh, that that relate to economics, um, a much greater degree of precision is required, as suggested
0: by ChatGPT itself. Great. Thank you. So... um... AGS and Brightfield, we've got a very busy months coming up um, collectively as well as individually, but we've got obviously the uh, SIA's Contingent Workforce Summit in Dallas on September 17th and 18th or 18th and 19th, Um, but we're also planning on a workshop, I know, uh, in September um, for our joint clients looking for, you know, helping them to avoid the pitfalls of misclassification. So on that topic, what do you, what are the key points you want workforce leaders to take away from this session, plus those coming up, particularly around the misclassification? Jason, I'll come to you first and then Tim.
1: Sure. Misclassification um, is is an abstract term. Uh, so basically uh, it, it, this workshop is trying to say not only uh, whether it's misclassification and why you should care about it, but also what can be done about it. And I think in the past, uh, several years when people have addressed the, the topic of misclassification, it's remained really an abstraction. It's not a, and therefore here's how to make things better. What has me so excited about the content uh, in this workshop is it's the full spectrum all the way to realizing the results of benefit, whether that's properly uh, classified workers uh, in the moment, in the future, better reconciliation of processes and systems to make that happen in the per- first place, and just better deals, taking out the unnecessary premium costs that tend to be a part of a lot of these, and it's that tactical win that helps pay for uh, the strategic wins. So that, that for me, that's the game-changing difference of uh, of why why this workshop is is exciting. It, it gets to those realities. It's not an an academic
0: discussion. Great. Well, thank you for that. And uh, as we look to wrap up this podcast, we normally ask our guests crystal ball question i'm going to ask that to tim but i've got an i've got a special one for you jason so hold that thought but tim let's come to you with the uh, crystal ball so what do you think three five years ahead you pick a you pick a time frame what impact has this partnership had on the industry
2: yeah and uh, thanks for that and i appreciate the opportunity to answer it i think i think we're going to have the forward-thinking Clients that are going to come together and they're going to be willing to do the hard foundational work that's going to give them the visibility they need into their internal workforce, their extended workforce, and that that, that hard work is really finding that common taxonomy for occupations and skill sets, and allowing them to be embedded within their foundational systems, their business platforms, their EMS technologies. Mm-hmm. That and that common language is going to get it's going to be the bridge for us, and and once they they go through that journey and they do the hard work, that's going to give them the perspective they desperately need. You know, So how does my internal compare to my extended workforce? If the extended workforce that I have, how does that compare to the outside world? In the end, if we do this right and we get that visibility together, that workforce visibility, we're going to make uh, business leaders have more confident financial decisions. And then ultimately, I think you're going, to have, you're going to find that these forward-thinking customers, clients are going to tap into talent pools that others aren't gonna be able to quickly identify. So it's gonna give them a strategic advantage as, as an organization on acquiring talent, making better decisions, ultimately hitting all your, all your, your goals that you have as an organization. Key critical point, be, what are my goals? What are ex- my expectations of an MSP or a services program? And how do we align the work that we're doing to meet those goals? There's a lot of targets out there. There's a lot of data out there really honing the story and making sure that it's actionable, and it's aligned to my expectations. And then ultimately you're measuring the efforts, measuring the work that's getting done towards those goals. So that's the key and critical thing uh, that we need to figure out. And those clients that do, they're gonna have a pretty big strategic advantage in the workplace.
0: Awesome, love it. Thanks Tim. So now for the Brucey bonus for Jason. So as we, as I'm listening to this and obviously part of it, but also listening in, in a way, there's a lot here, there's a lot. So if I'm a listener in this space, Buying into this, understand the importance of data. Where the heck do I start? Um, you know, if you're going to eat an elephant, beat it, eat it in bite sized chunks. Right? What? How can we make this very tactical for organizations for to give them a perhaps a proof point, something to walk in the boardroom with? Say, hey, guys, you need to take, pay attention to this.
1: Um, ec- excellent question, uh, and it's a it's a bit similar to my my prior answer which is you need an immediate result I, I i gave a similar answer just about people in you know contemplating how to start with ai i give very similar advice start with something that will have actual tangible results in a sub 6 month time frame so you can walk into the board not with a theory but with results and then you have the theory that takes those results at scale takes it further uh, maximizes the opportunity. but without that story of the here's exactly what happened and why we can believe in it then uh, in, in in these times with surrounded by so much uncertainty, executives are are less likely to pull a trigger on something that's so enterprise-wide impacting as what we're talking about. Uh, so leading with the results in hand i think is 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 what's critical. so it's that same thing whether it's five or five or 200 SOWs that you can see that Delta show the difference, show the report from Tim's point of of worker tracking. Here's all the workers that we have been able to track. This is the small percentage that we know stuff about. This is the even smaller percentage that we feel good about in terms of what's known, supplier relationships, prices, et cetera, all of those things. And I guess one other way I would answer your question, Bruce, is I'd like just to take a crack at answering uh, the, the crystal ball question as well, Which is, I think, it. If if the the way our our partnership shows up perfectly is that we talk about it in a less technical fashion. Uh, The the way that we'll know long distance calls when when we're going where was when we stop talking about fiber optics, we just expect it. Uh, Same thing with the spam filtering on our emails. We used to remember the disgusting mess that our email inboxes used to be, uh, and now we have spam filtering because of AI and all these other technologies that make that work for us. So I see this, uh, and in so are staffing. We used to worry about the stigma of the temp being lesser than the employee. We don't talk about that anymore. So to me, a lot of the best improvements where we can see we, de- we can declare the win is because people aren't talking about it as much. They simply expect it. It's just part of the package. It's an expected table stakes part of the value prop. And that's what I see. I think that we, we worked so hard to make the maturity of this partnership come to the state that it's in that we can now start to turn the corner of customers just expecting these things.
0: Great. Perfect. Well, it's a wonderful way to wrap it up. I've
1: this mic, but I know it was too expensive. So I, you know, I
0: don't want to <laughs> overdo it. Yeah. So thanks for that. Um, so, so just to wrap it up here, I think it was a really good way to end. I'm going to hold you to that. So if an organization reaches out to us and said, Hey, I've got a half a dozen SOWs. We're willing to show them what's possible. right? <laughs>
1: We'll even let them execute the savings on it. And we're, we're very confident that they'll come back uh, demanding more.
0: Yeah. yeah. Great. So we'll wrap it there. Thank you both so much. Um, people know where to find us. I don't think I'm going to ask that question. People know who we are. So please, uh, more interested, more questions, please feel free to reach out to Tim or Jason. And thank you very much for listening. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have questions, send them to subjecttotalent at allegianceglobalsolutions.com. Follow us on LinkedIn with the hashtag subjecttotalent and learn more about AGS at allegianceglobalsolutions.com where you can subscribe to receive additional workforce insights. Until next time, cheers.